It's my great pleasure to welcome Kev Nash to, to preach. He's not preached here before. Kev is on our staff here. And uh, I, I really felt that we, we were not really clocking Kev. Kev is actually an assistant pastor. He's what, we've got a number, and, and he is one of our assistant pastors. Uh, he is currently responsible for our children's ministry. And uh, he told me at the last service that we have 350 kids. Would you believe that? No wonder the children's workers look exhausted. 350 kids on our books. And on a, on a normal Sunday, we would get a, what would you say? 170 kids, 170 kids here at our two morning services. It is a ministry that we invest an enormous amount of time, energy, and money in. And many of you help out. It simply wouldn't be possible if, if you weren't volunteering and, and doing your bit. But that's where, that's Kev's world out there. And, and so we don't really see him here. But I wanted you to see him. I wanted to publicly acknowledge and honor him because he's He's not just a kid's worker, if that's a derogatory thing, and it isn't, but he, he is an assistant pastor who is responsible for our flag, one of our flagship ministries. And so would you please welcome Kev Nash. Fantastic. Well, um, good afternoon, everyone. I hope you're doing well. Um, it's great to have some words of affirmation from Chris. Um, normally, Chris says mean things about me, so it's nice to hear some, um, some, some affirmation there. And I want to reiterate what Chris was saying about the children's workers. I think when he says um, um, just the children's worker, I think he meant as in the just not the children's worker bit was derogative, potentially. But um, my children's workers um, out there are fantastic, and we would not run the children's ministry without them. So, um, yeah, let's give the children's ministry workers a massive round of applause. Okay, so we're going to be continuing our series on heroes. And today's hero, again, is an unlikely hero, potentially somebody who um, would have their iPod on or any other MP3 playing device that's not Apple branded, but potentially not as good, um, and listening to a song like I Need a Hero just constantly on loop. And Chris, when he, when he kicked off this, this series, he, he reminded us that a hero is actually just somebody who trusts in Jesus. A hero realizes that they need Jesus. Dennis then went on to talk about Deborah and how Deborah was sure of what she hoped for, that she had to step up and step out, leaning not on her own understanding, but on God's. And we're going to think a little bit more about those two points in a bit. But I want to talk about a local hero, an unsung hero as we've often called them. And he's a guy called AJ, um, his fiancée Jenna is sat... Was in here? Oh, at the back, counting the money for us. Fantastic. Um, so AJ I met in 2008, and I was running a youth festival. And we, um, we had this um, a whole site that was, um, had marquees in and things. And as part of the site, we had a, a venue for the evening that had live music, and we had a cafe. And um, AJ was sat at one of the tables, and I um, really felt God say to me, you need to go and speak to him. And I had that kind of sinking feeling. I was like, really, God? Do I need to? And I was like, no, it'd be fine. He was like, no, you need to go and speak to him. And I was like, really? Come on. He was like, no, you need to go and speak to him. Anyway, as always, God wins. Um, and I went and spoke to AJ. 
And it was really an interesting conversation because AJ was really open and told me a lot of stuff about his life, and I challenged him on a few things. And I said to him afterwards, I said, look, if you want to meet up, because um, we, we, we literally chatted for hours and I had to close the site and chuck everyone um, out of the site, and um, we, we had to stop our conversation. I said to him, look, if you want to carry on this conversation, we can meet up for coffee and we'll chat some more. So I left it at that. Anyway, I never heard from AJ um, for a whole year. And then AJ called me, had this call. And he said, Kev, he said, can we meet up? I was like, yeah, sure, definitely. So a little bit wounded by a whole year of silence. But anyway, carried on. Um, and I went and we had coffee. And it was really, it, it was interesting because I said to AJ, I said, well, why now? Why, why didn't we meet for a year first, I asked him. And he said, well, I was scared. He said, there were things that you said that challenged me, and I didn't want to face up to those. And at that point, AJ decided that he was going to start walking away from God. AJ's circumstances changed, and he, he realized that he needed God. And that's when he called me. He needed to be challenged on those things that we spoke about. It was at that point that AJ started to run to God, putting his trust in God. And it's amazing to see the way that AJ has grown and God has used him. We've met for coffee uh, most weeks uh, for years now. And he has just grown into such a solid man of God. God has used him to teach. God has used him on his states in Barnet, working as, um, as a detached worker there. Um, he's started mentoring other people, all because God, he started running towards God and he trusted in God. He decided at that point that he needed God. So AJ, good friend of mine and a local hero. Um, let's give AJ a round of applause, even though he's not here. So most of us will know hard times in our lives. There'll be times when um, money is tight, when we have relationship problems, when there's sickness and even sometimes death. But how do we respond in that situation? How do we actually demonstrate faith? How do we demonstrate our trust in God? How do we run to God and not walk away when things get tough? Today's hero is somebody who trusted in God, saw him as his authority and feared him. He also had to, using Dennis's phrase, he had to step up and step out. And he was leaning not on his own understanding, but on God's. This is how the Bible describes him. And I want you to guess who I'm going to talk about today. Those of you that already know or um, were here first service, you're not allowed to say anything. Okay. So this is what the Bible says. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant... There's no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Who are we talking about? Job, fantastic, brilliant. So today's hero is Job. Now you may be sitting there thinking, Job, that's a bit of an odd hero because Job had a rubbish life. Job had a really hard life. And he did, definitely, definitely did. But we're going to look at how when things were tough for Job, when he had these trials in his life, this hardship, we're going to look at how Job ran to God and didn't walk away. So a little bit of background for you. Um, it's thought that Job comes somewhere after Abraham in the Bible, before Moses, um, before the Levites, the priests as we sometimes know them. Um, and as 
I'm sure all parents do here, Job would throw big parties for his children with lots of food, lots of music, and they would have an amazing time. And the Bible tells us that um, Job would make arrangements to have his children purified after these parties. So the Bible says early in the morning he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking perhaps his children had sinned and cursed God in their hearts. We're told that this was Job's regular custom. Job feared God so much that he was willing to sacrifice on behalf of his children just in case they had sinned. He didn't, want their, um, he didn't want his children to sin against God. He wanted them to be justified. But how did God see Job? As God looked down, how did he see Job? We're going to read from Job chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. This is how the Bible describes him. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned, he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 oak of oxen, of oxen um, and f- uh, 500 donkeys, and a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Job had everything. Um, he was a great man. He was a wealthy man. He, he had, great, um, he had a, a greatness. People knew Job. They knew of him. But Job feared God and he shunned evil. There were characteristics of Job that really stood out. Later on, we see that Job actually had an eternal perspective as well. We see that um, not only did he fear God and shun evil, but he had a hope, a hope of eternity, a hope that one day he would be with his father in heaven. He had this eternal Perspective. See, Job's almost this textbook example of, of suffering, um, but also of patience and faithfulness, even though he had a rough life. And actually, even though he was so wealthy and things went wrong, his wealth didn't secure him. He had no security in stuff. He had security in God. So how was Job a hero? How did he run to God and not walk away? Early on in the book of Job, we see Satan come to God and God wanted to show how great he was. He wanted to show Satan how great he was and how great and faithful his people were. So he said to Satan, have you actually considered my servant Job? Have you thought about him? He is a great guy. God was placing this bait dangling the carrot for Satan. And Satan grabbed it and he took the bait and God was able to show how great he is. And we'll see that in a minute. And Satan then accuses God and he says, okay, you say Job is um, so great. Um, Satan says to, um, to God, what you've done is you've taken him and you've put him in a bubble. You've put a hedge around him and you've given him everything he needs. You've given him wealth. You've given him family. He's got everything because of you. And Satan says to God, if you take everything away from him, and then he would turn around and he will curse you. But God was so confident in Job's faithfulness that he said this. Let's read from Job chapter 1, verse 12. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay 
a finger. So Satan couldn't touch Job without God's consent. He wanted to actually attack Job, but without God saying, yes, that's okay, um, he couldn't do it. He was absolutely powerless um, to make a move on Job, which again shows how great and powerful and awesome God is. So Job's first test of his faithfulness, he was stripped of everything he had. We're going to pick up in Job chapter 1, starting at verse 13. If you've got your Bibles, turn to it and follow with me. Okay, verse 13. One day, Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the older brother's house. A messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were ploughing and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the sabans attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead. And I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground in worship, and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. So we know that Job was a wealthy man. We saw that earlier. But within a matter of a few verses, a very few verses, Job lost absolutely everything. It was either taken from him or it was killed, except for Job's wife. But what was Job's response? Well, clearly he was upset. He showed that by um, ripping um, the clothes that he was wearing um, and shaving his head, or maybe he wanted to copy me a little bit. But we read that the Lord, um, that, um, that he wanted to worship God because he said, the Lord has given me everything and he has taken everything away. He worshipped God, which can seem a little bizarre because when things are tough, how often do we want to turn around and worship God? Job at that point when he'd lost everything, his entire wealth had been taken away from him. He didn't turn around and walk away from God, he ran towards him in worship. Job knew and trusted God. He had a hope for what was to come. Job was faithful to his God and Father in heaven. Sometimes I, I feel that life is tough and I'm going through a hard time. Um, this morning as I was driving over, for those technical people out there, you'll understand this slightly more, but I wanted to listen to some music. And you think that wouldn't be difficult, but um, the way that I set up my music, all my music is in the sky, in the cloud. And um, I, for some reason I didn't have any on my phone and I wanted to worship God in the cars I was driving in. And I have to stream it from the internet and it wasn't working, didn't have good reception. I was like, God, what is going on? I was like, I want to worship you and I can't because my phone is not working. 
Um, and all I had in the car was a children's worship CD. I was like, right, God, that's it. You've got children's worship this morning. Um, so I started listening to the CD, and God really met me in that when I was worshipping, um, even though it was children's, children's worship. And then I realised that I had to repent of that to God and to Bethel, because they wrote it. Um, but it was an amazing experience. So God met me in that time of worship. Sometimes, like, I, I, for me, that, this morning, I was, as I was driving over, I felt that was a really, really tough morning, but obviously it was just a little bit of music. But anyway, um, sometimes we, need to, we do need to get a little bit of perspective on hardship, and we're going to run a really funny um, clip that Richard told me about this week that somebody else showed him, um, and just gives us um, a little bit of perspective. <laughs> I don't want to belittle people's um, hardship or say actually Job's hardship um, was trivial. And Job's situation was really, really bad. But it's almost as that we've got this extreme example of hardship in Job. And there are many situations like Job faced um, for, for us where everything seems doom and gloom. When... Um, like we're seeing in the world today, we're seeing more unemployment, we're seeing more people losing their jobs, um, potentially taking lower paid work to just to survive, to um, provide for their family, to pay the mortgage, those kind of things. Um, but what is our response in those situations? Do we actually start to run to God or do we walk away from him, burying our heads in the sand, iPod on, just hoping that one day somebody will come and save us. How many times have we heard people say, actually business isn't going well at the moment, so I've just got to work Sundays, I'm going to miss church for a while, and I'll, I'll come back when, um, when, it's, when it's all sorted, or I'm starting a new business, so I haven't got time for church now, um, I haven't got time for God, and um, I'll, I'll pick that back up when it's all sorted. How many times do we hear that? And I just think, looking at Job, we see that Job's life was tough. But he didn't turn from God. He ran towards him and worshipped him. I have some really good friends, Dave and Sue Whisker, and they run a church in North London. Um, and they're really amazing people. Dave was hit by one of the rarest cancers that, that we know about. And he's got an amazing story, a story of hope, a story of trust, but ultimately a story of running to God. Um, and on a number of occasions, um, Dave was given words saying that God would restore him, that death wasn't for him now. And he was even given a day when God would restore him. Dave, for um, a long time, underwent a lot of treatment and um, some really, really hard times. And he had a scan and he went to see the consultant and the, he was sat there in front of the consultant and the consultant turned around and said, Dave... He said, we've done everything we can, and that's it. Nothing else we can do for you. Five days, we reckon, tops. He had this really aggressive cancer. Dave and Sue wouldn't accept it. They would not accept that um, their restoration that God had promised through um, words of knowledge would be an eternal thing, although that, that's true. They were convinced it was for the now. They were convinced that God in this life would restore him. So for them, it was, it was tough. They didn't understand how it was, what was happening, what God was doing. So they were at Central London Hospital. They left the hospital. And Dave tells, um, tells us that he was on Tottenham Court Road, and they really felt God say, you need to start worshipping me, worshiping me right now. So they said that him and Sue were stood there holding hands, middle of Tottenham Court Road, just worshipping God. I just think that in itself is an amazing image. 
and just trusting God. Tottenham Court Road, who wants to be worshipping God out loud, people around, what are you doing? No, but they were doing that because that's what God wanted them to do. And they trusted God and they had faith in God. And anyway, a little while later, the phone went and um, it was Dave's doctor. He said, Dave, I need you to come in. We need to redo those scans. There's something not right about them. Dave made an appointment, had the scans done, went and then got the results of the scans. And the doctor said, Dave, it's gone. Nothing. He said, completely, completely healed. And what's more, the day that they got the news of of healing, that um, he had the all clear, um, was the day that God had given them in in the word of knowledge. Exact day. And you just think, wow, that's amazing. They've worshipped God through pain. They've worshipped God through hardship, through trial, just as Job did. So let's think a little bit more about Job. So there was Job going through this rough time. And you can almost imagine God sat up in heaven looking at Job going, that's my boy. Go on, well done, keep going, stick with me. God knew that Job would be faithful. And you could just imagine him rooting for him. So Satan probably went back to God a little bit annoyed, a little bit frustrated. He went back to him and um, he said, well, God, you know what? The trouble is humans, they'll give up anything to sacrifice, um, to to save their own life. Um, And I sat there and as I read that and I thought, really? Parents that are sat here, would you give up your children for your own life? Never. I can't imagine a parent that would say they would give up their children for themselves. The other way around, they'd give their own lives to save their children. But Satan, a little confused, um, thought that that was the case for Job. So Satan then asked permission from God to strike Job himself. So we're going to pick up in Job again, chapter 2, verse 7. So Satan went out from um, the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores. So God had given permission at this point. From the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, you're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we um, accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what? He said. So Job was struck with this sickness, painful sores all over his body. So painful that the Bible tells us that even scraping them to relieve the pain was better than leaving them alone. And you can imagine how painful that would be. Hopefully, no one's just fainted. No, cool, great. Okay. Um, But Job then turns around and says, actually, to his wife, when she says, curse God and just let it all be over, he actually turns around to her and says, we have accepted so much good from God. He has made us prosper. He has given us wealth. We need to accept the bad as well. We read that he still did not sin. And I don't think things could have got much worse for Job, but he still did not sin. He feared God he ran to him, accepting God's decision for his, right, his life. Rather than taking his wife's advice and walking away, Job had a hope in God and he continued to run to God, accepting that decision. Job held on to that hope of what was to come, that hope in God of that eternity with God. 
Another local unsung hero that I want to talk about is Karen. Karen's on staff here. Many of you will know Karen. She was at first service. And um, she's off work at the moment. She's another one of these people that we often hear about with cancer. And it's been a really tough time. It's been a tough time for Karen, the family, friends, and, and us as well. And I found it really difficult, if I'm honest, um, because when I heard about Karen having cancer, I haven't known Karen long, I've only been around a couple of years, but I still was almost really angry with God and almost, actually, why, why, why? Why Karen? We love Karen. And I knew that I couldn't go and talk to her when I first heard about it because I knew that if I went and spoke to her, I'd probably end up bursting into tears and it wouldn't be good for Karen. I'd look a bit silly and it would just be embarrassing for everyone. Um, but... Eventually, I went and spoke to Karen. I went and saw her, and um, she was just in the office, and I sat chatting to her. And the thing, that, the thing that really struck me, and I was so excited about, was the fact that Karen was running to God. That Karen hadn't turned away in this time of trial, in this time of difficulty. She was praising God. She was saying, God is meeting me in my worship. God is blessing me more than I could ever imagine. She was running towards God. And then she said something that absolutely blew me away. She said, Kev, a number of people have asked me, why? Why you? And her response to that was, why not? Why not me? She said, Kev, I have a hope in my saviour. I have a hope in my eternity. She said, there are people out there that don't have that. There are people out there that don't have that same security. She said, better me than somebody who doesn't have that hope. I, I thought, wow, how amazing. Karen was running to God in times of trial. She'd accepted that place where God had her. She was worshipping God and she'd accepted God's decision on her life. Karen, a true local hero. Let's give Karen a round of applause. So when Job's friends heard what had happened to Job, as any friends would, they left their home, they went to comfort him. And we read that from a distance, they didn't even recognize Job because of the way that he was looking, because um, I'm guessing the sores and everything and, and how down he was. But the Bible tells us that he sat for seven days, so his friends sat with him for seven days and seven nights before anybody said anything. It's awkward, isn't it? Really awkward, just a few moments of silence. Um, I'm the kind of person that if there's any silence, I'll like crack a joke or say something just to try and break the silence um, so it's not awkward. But his friends sat there for seven days without saying anything. I would have gone insane. Um, anyway, um, so when, when they were sat there, you would think that they'd be mulling it over and they'd be thinking, Actually, what can I say to Job? How can I affirm him? Um, and then you think, when they spoke, there would be these great words of affirmation. There would be this, it's going to be okay. Those Dr. Pepper moments. What's the worst that could happen? And literally for Job, probably nothing else. But Job's friends didn't. They didn't affirm him. They didn't comfort him. They started to accuse him of being a sinful man. They said, you're sinful. This is why God has done this to you. And I just, I read that and I thought, how can they do that? We've seen so far that Job was running to God 
but yet they accuse him of being sinful. They said that he needs to repent. He needs to turn back to God and God would forgive him. But all along, Job would not curse God. He feared him and he was faithful. Job got upset, definitely, um, and he got frustrated with his situation and with where he was at, but he, he would not curse God. Job is talking in, in um, um, chapter 19, and we're going to read the words that he says, starting at verse 25. He said these amazing, amazing words. He said, I know that my Redeemer lives, and in the end, he will stand upon the earth Even after my skin has been destroyed in my flesh, I will see God. I will see him myself. I will see him with my very own eyes. How my heart wants that to happen. What amazing words. Job knew that one day he would meet his God. He had a hope um, that was focused eternally. He had a hope in his father. He worshipped God in the now, accepting what God had given him, accepting the difficult time he was going through. And each time his friends, friends, were there accusing him of sin, he had this answer. It was a simple but effective answer of no. He said, actually, I know I'm not. And he knew the truth of God He ran to God knowing the truth and sticking to it so firmly. He was being faithful to God despite his friends telling him lies. I think so often I can listen to people and and we can take on other people's opinion. We doubt ourselves, don't we? We think, actually, I'm I'm not sure if that's right. Maybe what that person is saying to me is correct. Or we listen to the lies of the enemy just niggling away at us. I was, as, as I was preparing the talk, um, I've had sleepless nights, felt sick, just from doing this. And I've sat there and thought, actually, who am I? Who am I to stand in front of you guys and talk to you? Um, even um, before first service, I was literally felt like I was going to be sick. And I thought, well, I could just leg it, jump in my car, drive off. Chris will never know until he turns around and, oh, where's Kev? Um, and Chris would then have to do a dance or something to entertain. Um, but... When I went into the prayer beforehand, before the service, um, the team there were amazing. Really, really um, good prayers from God they were praying over me. And one of the prayers was, actually, don't let him listen to the lies of the enemy. Don't let him listen to the lies that he can't do this, that he has not been called for this. I hadn't said anything to the guys. I was just there, just sat. But they were praying so into the situation because God was talking to them about how I was feeling right now. They were affirming me with the truth. They were saying, actually, God is going to speak through you this morning. God is going to use you, what you have prepared, what you have said. And I had to hold on to that truth. I had to run to God knowing the truth. As we read at the end of the book of Job, we can see actually that God blessed Job. But throughout his time, when Job was worshipping God, when he was accepting that decision, and when he was holding on to the truth, holding on to the hope of eternity, he didn't know if God was going to um, take him at that point, in that time of trial, in that hardship. He didn't know that God was going to restore him, yet he ran to God, yet he worshipped him. So we read at the end of this blessing, and we're going to pick up in chapter 42, verse 10. 
It says, after Job had prayed for his friends, um, and only after that, you note, um, the Lord restored his fortunes. Almost another test there for Job. How faithful is he? Will he pray for somebody who has actually um, done something against him? And Job did. Amazing man of God. The Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him at his house. They comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought on him. And each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. The Lord blessed Job's latter part of Job's life more than his former part. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, a thousand yoke of oxen and a thousand donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. God blesses his people. He blesses those who run towards him and don't walk away. As I was reading that, I thought, how amazing. God blessed the latter part of his life more than the former part. I thought, poor wife, another X amount of children she had to bear for him. But clearly, that was God's blessing. Um, so God poured out this double blessing on Job, restoring him completely. God saw Job's faithfulness. God saw how much Job honoured God in the way that he responded in that situation, and God blessed him. Job um, ran to God. He didn't walk away. He ran in worship. He ran accepting his circumstances, the decision God had for him, and he ran knowing the truth. I ask the worship team to come back up. Hello. <laughs> okay, when we're faced with trial, when we're faced with hard times, with this tribulation, say, when life is just really rubbish, do we walk away from God or do we run to him. Do we bury our heads in the ground, iPod on, listening to I Need a Hero, hoping somebody will rescue us? Or do we worship God? Job literally had hell thrown at him. Yet he chose to run to God and not walk away. He chose to hold on so tightly to the hope that he has in God. He knew that one day, he would be with his father in heaven. Guys, I draw to a close. Can I ask you to stand? And just close your eyes as, as, I, as I pose a question that I've asked myself. Ask yourself this question too. What do I hope in? Is my hope in God? Am I walking away from God or am I running towards him? Can I stand there and truly say in times of hardship, I know that my redeemer lives and in the end he will stand upon the earth even after my skin has been destroyed in my flesh, I will see God. I will see him myself with my very own eyes. How my heart wants that to happen. Can we say those words? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the life of Job. I thank you that he was a true hero, somebody who had hope in you and ran towards you. I thank you that he didn't walk away. 
I pray that we would take him as an example. We would be like our, the local hero I spoke of, AJ, and when I spoke at the beginning, and we would realize that we need you, that we would turn to you just as AJ did and give you everything, that we would worship you as Dave and Sue did standing on Tottenham Court Road because it's what you want us to do. I pray that we would hold on to the hope that we have in you, that hope of eternity, just as Karen spoke about. Lord, help us to be true heroes of you. Help us to run to you, holding on to the hope that we have. In Jesus' name, amen.